sometimes I feel like I'm going through this by myself because I live a stealth life. I don't live an open transgender life. I don't I don't just walk up and say, hey, I'm Ethan the Barber, I'm transgender. Like, I don't do that, you know what I mean? Because of the safety of myself and my family. You know what I mean? Like, not saying that it's wrong because people can identify and do how they choose to do. But these are just my choices in life because I know that by exposing certain things, I've been subject to certain things. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, how are you helping to nurture the trans child in your village? So Shauna, before we get into this great episode, as always, what's on your mind this week? Uh, dusty Negroes, okay. Um, so I'm gonna drag somebody who needs to be dragged. And this uh, person is by the name of Kelson. Now, this past week, we have been celebrating a young lady by the name of Shakari Richardson, um, you know, who is giving me Flojo vibes. She's out here being the fastest woman in the world, damn near. And, you know, uh, she's, she's making Olympic trials and winning meets after her mother passes that same week, you know, she basically she's holding Texas down. Um, and, you know, it, it would be a beautiful thing if we could just celebrate this young black girl doing phenomenal black girl magic things and that's it. But of course, no, because dusty black incel or blend cell Negroes have got to act up on, you know, Beyonce, Giselle No Carter, Knowles Carter's internet. So <clears throat> he posts four pictures of Shikari and he writes, I don't know what happened to her and I don't care what nobody says, but she looks like a dude. I guess it's all that quote unquote masculine energy she is dripping. She looks crazy with all that fake hair flying around and eyelashes on like she is about to fly away with how fast she runs. This is not the example of a modest woman. Sports are cool, but we get overly excited about them and black athletes. Like, isn't this part of what we do? If my son plays sports, will I get excited? Yes, but overly excited? No. She's running around a track, y'all, making more money for the schools who refuse to pay student athletes, not saving the world. We need to get more excited over successful businesses, learning how to leverage credit the right way and not to be a credit slave, learning how to not depend on this system. We need to get overly excited about our children becoming engineers and STEM stars, not track stars, but track stars is fitting for our people because all we do is run from the truth. Track today has become no different than horse racing. They love the gracefulness and beauty of the beast, but they will put you down at any point, just like a beast. Don't mind the dragon tattoo. I'm sure it means absolutely nothing in, re in reference to uh, Shikari's tattoo. Now, first off, you sound weak, period. Um, I, I, I'm surprised to hear that you have a son and that you've been you know, out here breeding in this world. Woo! But anywho, um, I, I read all of this and I was like, yet again, here we are, a black man tearing down a black woman for what purpose? What, what did this give you? One. Two, if you go through a Facebook page, is like a Jesus freak, which again, as a Christian, I say Christianity is the ghetto and it has warped a lot of y'all's minds and it's evil and it's poisonous to, for a lot of y'all, how you, how you weaponize it. It's gross and it's disgusting. And now my final point. 
So because you like to sit up here and talk trash about black women, please do understand that what black women will then do is run the, is run the receipts on you. So and while you're sitting here worried about, oh, we need to be educating our kids on STEM and da 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 and all this other stuff, how about you make sure that your son doesn't turn out to be a scammer like you were in 2004? How about that? Because we ran your information, bruh. We found the, the, the articles about your name when you were in your 20s out here scamming. Hmm. How about that, Joanne? Shut your mouth. But yes, Jaren, what about you? Oh. <laughs> uh leave it to the Republicans to, you know, be involved in corruption. Uh, but on my mind this week is T-Pain. He recently shared a story about, he was on an airport. Um, he was heading to an award show, I believe. And Usher was on the plane and it was a, a fellow uh, musician, uh, a friend of his. And they were chopping it up in the airport, I mean, on the airplane. And Usher told him, he was like, man, I gotta tell you, um, you killed music with autotune. And T-Pain shared that he went into a four year depression over these comments that came from a huge artist, but also his friend. And it, I really felt for T-Pain because this is not the first time that he, he, he took heat uh, for autotune. Remember when Jay-Z released the death of autotune and he talked about how that impacted his, his emotions. And I, I don't think people knew back then that he was going through a depression. And you know, in 2021, we're more, we have more sympathy for mental health. And he was the subject of a lot of jokes and memes over auto-tune. But T-Pain, listen, I went to, to college at Morehouse in Atlanta, Georgia in, the, in uh, the, 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 the mid 2000s to late 2000s. And T-Pain was the soundtrack to uh, many of parties buy you a drink, I'm in love with the stripper. And you know, like auto-tune definitely had, had its moment and continues to have its moment in music. It definitely changed the landscape of the sounds of R&B. But to put all that on his on this one man's shoulders was, a, I think, a bit much. Um, but I also, I wonder if Usher even knew that, you know, he would have that kind of impact. I'm sure maybe, maybe he didn't mean it to have that kind of impact, but it just comes to show you that your words matter and you just never know how those words can be received and how people can really um, absorb that and, and it can turn into a depressive state. And so my heart goes out to T-Pain, know that your music pops, uh, you did not kill music, you just made it, you just made it more interesting and you gave us more variety. Um, and, and that's all I have to say about that. But man, I mean, I wanna hear Usher's response to this because he hasn't publicly uh, said anything but this was a pretty big trending story this week yeah and i'm i'm just trying to figure out where 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 ursher gets the audacity because i remember omg and i'm like oh my god i was like wait a minute he fell in line didn't he so i'm curious yes let's see what he has to say <laughs> we're waiting usher we're waiting uh but as you know june is Pride Month, and we wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we did not honor our trans community. While there have been great strides for trans individuals made in recent years in terms of legally being granted their God-given rights, it's no secret that trans individuals have more stacked against them in their personal lives and with what they face in society. This week, we are joined by a proud trans man who will share his journey and hopes for the future. Let's get into it.
So, G, my first question for you would be, do you have any trans individuals that you're like close to or know or anything like that? Uh, I, I definitely know trans people in my personal life and I have to give credit to Morehouse College. Morehouse was um, an environment where I met a lot of different black men um, across the country. And it was when I was first introduced to uh, people who identified as trans. Um, and it was across the spectrum. Um, so I, 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 there's a, a trans woman in my life who went to Morehouse and a, a non-binary, uh, you know, a fellow Morehouse grad who, who identifies as non-binary. And, um, but I have, if I'm being really honest, um, when I went to Morehouse, you know, and, and I encountered uh, people who were trans who identified uh, across the gender spectrum and were, were the antithesis of what was expected at Morehouse, um, it, made me, it made me feel uncomfortable as a gay man who was closeted, who was dealing with internal homophobia um, and that extended to transphobia. And it, it took me encountering um, these students on the campus that, that humanized the experience. But I came from Brooklyn, I didn't even know what trans was or what, what, it, what, what it meant. And so there's a there was a learning curve for sure when I was on the campus, um, and I think it's important for me as a black queer cisgender man to acknowledge that transphobia exists within the community as well as outside the community, and that e that and that it's important that even when you look when you're black you can have internal racism, when you are gay you can have internal homophobia, and so it's no different for for uh, within the LGBT. LGBTQ plus community. And uh, I've learned so much from that experience. And um, I want to do more. I always find myself um, as a member of the community asking myself, am I doing more enough to uplift, to amplify the voices of trans people? The reality is that much like for us queer people is that internally, uh, it's, there's still always a struggle because society is still very hostile to the LGBT plus, LGBTQ plus community. Um, and so, so we, we have to do more. Uh, but what about you, Shauna? Do you have any uh, close friends, family members who are trans? Um, not, no to the family members, although I have my suspicion. Um, <laughs> but no to uh, the family members, but um, you know, definitely uh, some friends and acquaintances who are part of the trans community. Um, and it's funny because I remember like, so I had one friend who's non-binary who, you know, goes by they, them, and it's, it's a recalibration of the brain that has to happen. So when I talk about them, I'm always like, I always like have to stop myself in the middle of the conversation to, you know, to make sure that I'm being respectful of their pronouns. Uh, and there is, um, there's a couple trans men in my life as well as trans women um, who I just have to say they are they are phenomenal people in terms of being able to uh, you know help educate me um, in terms of learning how to support the trans community like because you can't call yourself an ally if you're not really down for the allyship you know um, and I think as a black woman granted there is you know, I I I think I've said this damn near every episode of this show, but again, like Malcolm X talks about, the most disrespected the most disrespected person in America is a black woman. Now, while I may personally feel that that is true, 
I'm sure members of the trans community are like, caveat like <laughs> what if, what if it's, it's a black trans woman what is a black trans man you know what I mean like what if, the most disrespected person um and that I've been very fortunate enough to I remember being very you know Jaren you and I are both from New York right so we went to New York high schools we were around the ignorance um mm. uh and i know i too was a person who was kind of not even kind of i was pretty gross about you know the trans community and mainly because i didn't i didn't know um you get educated by things in the media that you see right so to me i was like oh so trans women are primarily prostitutes because that's how they're always depicted Right. And then you're like, oh, trans men are I think like the only real trans man experience in terms of a story that I saw was with I think it was like Hillary Swank and she played uh, uh, Brand, mm. Brandon Tina, um, you know, who's a, a, a white trans man that got killed, you know, by by supposed friends. You know what I mean? And I those were like the only references that I had about the trans community. Um, and thankfully, I have a very very kind and patient, uh, you know, trans friends who were able to help educate me. So I'm really excited for today's show. So today we are joined by Ethan Randolph, a Philadelphia native, activist, barber by trade, and proud trans man. Welcome, Ethan. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be a part of you guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so Ethan, let's start at the very beginning. When did you first identify as trans? Um, probably about age 12, I expressed to my mom that, uh, actually I said it kind of backwards. I expressed to her that I was uh, unisex, not understanding what it is I was trying to express to her. But later on, as I understood things, I started to learn that I was different from others and I was more so um, transgender opposed to a stud or a butch. Mm. Okay. So how, you know, as you said, you were like started the conversation with your mom. How did you begin that with like the rest of your family and friends and your overall desire of wanting to transition? I actually never, and never expressed it to my family. I actually just explained to my mom that, um, I was unisex because I didn't understand at the time what I was trying to express to her. Uh, so I tried to break it down with like explaining how um, my feelings, how I feel mentally and my physical don't match up so that I would prefer to match the two. She didn't quite understand. I didn't quite understand what I was going through either. So I kind of educated myself a little bit more. Once I educated myself more and understood more of what I was trying to do and the, and the path and the journey that I was trying to take, I kind of tried to express this to her and explain to her the situation, but she kind of put me on punishment for two years. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that's tough. Um, you mentioned you didn't really understand at the time, even yourself, uh, how to identify and what was really going on. And I wanted to ask you what images were out there for you? Were there images? Was there something that kind of was an aha moment for you? Well, actually, there were no images. Uh, um, I didn't learn really what it is I was trying to do and understand it mentally until I was about 24. And that's when I met my wife. 
So like I was kind of trying to like take her with me to like different balls and everybody knows the breakfast club in Philly. So at the time the breakfast club would hold these uh, balls and everybody would come through and stuff like that. So I took my wife with me and I tried to explain it to her, getting her to understand better of how I was thinking and how I was feeling. So I, she didn't quite understand it visually until she saw somebody that was of trans nature. So once she saw the person and I told him like, that's it right there. That's what I'm trying to do right there. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay, I got you. So you want to be a man? Yes, that's it. I need everything to align. I need facial hair. I need my body structure. I need everything to align to the way I feel so that I can be comfortable within life, you know, and not, not continue life through a depression state, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's so important. And, and to follow up on that, how was your transition process? Uh, were there challenges? Yes, there were challenges. It was easy at first. I say the first year and a half might have been easy, but then the challenges came with my kids. Uh, I have stepkids and their father's side of the family would tend to tell my kids at like ages four and three and six that I was female and I had female parts just like their mom and things like that. So it was like trying to have to live a life not explain to my kids, but explain to them a little bit, you know, just because they were young. So they really understand, but kids are more respectful at a younger age opposed to, you know, just not knowing, I guess, I guess is what I'm kind of trying to say. Or they're indoctrinated so, by hate. <laughs> right, right, by hate. Yeah. So I had to like, like when they would come home and, and say, hey, my aunt such and such said that you have breasts like mommy do and your body is shaped like mommy's body. Then I had to like tell them like, do you see me walking around like that? Do you see that? Do you, like, if you don't see those things, don't pay it no mind because they're just hating. You know what I mean? So it was like, uh, do I sit down at such an early age and express this to them? Or do I wait until they're old enough to be able to understand and comprehend what's going on? So it was kind of a struggle. And then I had my neighbor expose me to the whole neighborhood you know, like literally walk around telling everybody that I'm a transgender and I have uh, a JJ and this, that, and the third, you know, things that they didn't know, but things that they assumed to know. So they went and told other people. So it was like kind of hard with being a barber and gaining clientele and then losing the clientele at the same time, because everybody in one situation is trying to expose you while you're trying to keep your kids in like a safe place at the same time you know, so that they can understand later on and not be confused now. Ugh, that is, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. Like people- It's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was definitely a crazy four years, you know, but we got past it. They, they understand now, they know, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's a lot more easier as far as breaking down things to them and like stereotypes of society opposed to how you live your preferred, you know, preferred life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just kind of shifting a little bit um, because you said, you know, you have the support of your wife and I'm assuming you've been able to uh, cultivate your own village in this time yes. period. Like who makes up that village and how have they, you know, helped you throughout this, this time? Uh, well, I have my wife who is like my life, you know, like she opened up a whole nother realm of like, acceptance and not having to deal with depression and things like that 
I'm shy and I'm sensitive at the same time. So don't, you know, I might shed a little tear or whatever, but I have my wife, I have my three kids. They have my back hundred percent. Um, my son, you know, I go hard for him as well because we both experience the same journey. So it's like having to protect him and be able to still be that father figure, you know what I mean? With so much of outside influence and talking, you know what I mean? To alter their minds and thinking of things and how they should live their life and how they should love and things like that. So it's like, yeah, it's a little hard, but I managed to get through a lot of things. Um, out it too, and you know, it's just a lot, you know what I mean? So I have them, I have them. I don't have my main family but I have my family that I've learned to communicate with and help them to understand things and not think like how society might want them to think and leaving them in a box. I, I allow them to have their open mind and, and identify and make their choices in life based off of how they feel, not how society chooses for them to, to think and feel and see how life is supposed to be. That's amazing that you have the love of your family as your anchor. Um, and you kind of already touched on this, but as we know, we talk about trans violence a lot. And many times uh, black trans women are, are the focal point of that conversation. And I wanted to ask you about the societal cha challenges or, or even violence that uh, trans men or even you yourself personally have, has experienced um, outside the home. Well, um, I've had a neighbor, like I was telling you earlier on, I had people that, that uh, outed me to the entire neighborhood. So I was cutting hair for like two years, gaining great, great clientele, nonprofits and things like that. Dealing with the clientele that I had on in Southwest, as um, I, didn't, I am a Muslim. So being trans and being Muslim and living in Southwest and being Muslim and being trans and being black is like a lot, you know? So I would have a lot of my Muslim clients that didn't understand what my neighbors were saying. So like my neighbors went around telling everybody that I was transgender and I'm a female and this, that, and the third. So in their minds, not knowing that there are trans men out here, FTMs, female to male, that also transitioned, what they were thinking was that I was a man dressing in women's clothes. So they would see me and be like, man, I ain't fucking with you. I'm sorry, I mean, curse. But you know, I ain't, I ain't effing with you. You know what I mean? You into that drag stuff. Like, ain't I ain't having no faggot cutting my hair. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it don't have nothing to do with that. So those that didn't understand, but wanted to understand, took time to come around and get their hair cut and ask me. So that's when I took it upon myself to let them know like what was going on. You know, this is the situation. You know, I'm born female, I transitioned to male. I have my family, I live a stealth life. You know, I, I'm, I'm just living my life, I'm minding my business, I'm doing me. But yet I have people that constantly make it their business to come out the door, try to stab at me with knives while I'm cutting hair on my porch, try to throw glass bottles at me and me and my son while we're standing outside. Like it's, it's just like walking around the neighborhood and like telling everybody, hey, this person used to be this, or this person used to be that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a lot. And they have to handle that. And your kids don't know. You know what I mean? And you're still trying to keep your kids safe and still trying to make sure you're safe yourself. It was just like, it was too much to handle. And I actually broke down 
during that process. So it was like having all these cops in front of my house. God, thankfully, it was some butch cops. And I explained to them, you know, I'm transgender. And they were on my side because they understood where I was coming from. They're telling her, like, that's not safe for you to do that. You know, he has a family, he has kids. And you're walking around, you're doing this. It's not safe. You know, and people of the community, all they see is Ethan, the barber. I come and cut hair and that's it. Nobody knows this side. Nobody knows that I go through the same things that everybody else does. A lot of trans men don't get the recognition of being abused and being um, killed and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But it's, it's like we don't exist, but we do exist. You know, I know a lot of people might not know about us, you know what I mean? Because a lot of us live under the radar, which is like kind of stealth. But it's, it's hard when, when you're trying to be yourself, live in your truth, raise your family, make money, be an entrepreneur, and just live a good, humble life. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy when you have people that just wake up every day with the intentions to just put misery on your life. And that's just no, you're crazy. fine. You know what I, I mean? Like, I, I, I want to just tell you, you know, but... from I'm sure our <laughs> audience, you know, our listeners, as well as like myself and Jaren, we appreciate your transparency and like, because I think to be honest, and something, you know, you, you touched on this is for me as a black woman, it's so easy for me to identify with, you know, trans women. I'm like, I, I see their pain. I feel it. But there's not enough conversation about trans men. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, even when you have like shows exactly. like, what was that? Orange is the New Black. And then that's what her, where, you know, we got intro- introduced to Laverne Cox and you watch those. But even on those, it, it's very centered around right. trans women as though, you know, the likes of like Teak Milan don't exist. You know what I mean? Like, I think, the, like, like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Teak is like, Tig is like one of like one of my I love Tig, you know what I mean? Like I've watched his journey, I've seen him. He is greatness at his best, okay? So like to have guys around like Tig and and uh and and, and Javon and and uh Sean Ebony is like it's it's good because you have somebody that you can actually go to, talk to that can actually mentor you through some things, you know what I mean? So it's like being able to have that bond with certain people that are of your nature and can understand where you come from is beautiful, you know, but it's also a challenge at times too, when you don't know if you have them people, you know, you, if all you know is you, yourself and your family and you don't have that exposure to certain things and certain activities in the world, then you don't know that you're not out here alone. You know, you don't know that you're not going through these things by yourself. And at one point in time, that's how I felt. I felt like, even even now, health, life. I don't live an open transgender life. I don't I don't just walk up and say, "Hey, I'm Ethan the Barber. I'm transgender." Like I don't do that. You know what I mean? Because of the safety of myself and my family. You know what I mean? Like not saying that it's wrong, because people can identify and do how they choose to do. But these are just my choices on life because I know that by exposing certain things, I've been subject to certain things. You know, so exposing myself in work and then all of a sudden now the property manager is saying she you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it's like it's like come on like look at me do i look like somebody's she you understand what i'm saying like and to have to constantly keep saying that to somebody is like i'm not gonna keep doing that so that's what made me go into business for myself Mm -hmm. because i want to provide a place 
for guys like me, guys that are non-binary, to be able to come somewhere safe, you know what I mean? Not being subjected to indirect conversations about trans people or mm-hmm. or or faggots as society states. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to provide an environment so that whoever, non-binary, stealth, whatever gender you choose to identify with, mm-hmm. I want you to be comfortable with coming here, getting your hair cut, talking how you want to talk, dress how you want to dress. I put no restrictions on things. At first, as a personal barber, I would just allow anybody to come. Mm-hmm. But as I started to grow within the community, and learn that there are, everybody's not stealth. So there's there's different environments in each, in, in the community. Everybody has their own identity. In order to have these people safe, because I know I want to be safe and I was looking for a safe environment, mm-hmm. I needed to go appointment only. So once I went appointment only and, and, and non-binary saw that, they had a place to come to and be comfortable and express themselves without any curvature or not saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Look at me now. I'm, I'm all over the place. I, I don't feel like I'm a celebrity, but everybody, hey, Ethan, hey, Ethan, hey, Ethan, you know, and I love it because it's an opportunity to make guys, make guys, make women, whoever that comes to me feel comfortable, safe, you know what I mean? Able to talk how they want to talk. Like I have mad crazy conversations with people, you know, and I love it because I've actually learned a lot because coming into the, coming into this lifestyle, I've actually learned that I had to curve who I was because at first my mental thought was like a cisgender male. I didn't understand some things, but as I, I, I as I gained years in understanding and growing and being at the trans conference and being with Babashi and stuff like that, it was like, okay, I see you. You can't just be thinking one way. You have to have an open mind as far as accepting everybody. You can't put limits on who you want to accept and who you want to cut. You know what I mean? If you want to be successful within this and you want people to respect you for who you are, then you have to respect people for who they are and how they identify. You know what I mean? So that changed a lot in my life. So once I was able to do that and put a curvature on just being rude to certain people and things like that because they didn't identify how I identified or I I really feel like I was just taken out. You know how they say the bully, when somebody bullies you, then you turn to the bully and bully someone else? That's what I feel like I was giving off. And now that I've I've been able to understand and feel where other people are coming from, it opened up my mind to just like, dude, mm-hmm. and Ed- this world, oh. right. Mm. It's like, it, it's, it's just, you can't judge people based off of anything. You know, if you want to be respected out here, you have to respect others, no matter how they feel, how they identify, none of that. You can't have that mindset. Oh, I'm, I'm trans now. I'm a man. I'm going to be a cisgender man and forget everybody else. Like, you can't be like that because this is not how the world thinks. Everybody is not in a position or a place to be able to do the things that you do and identify how you identify. So you have to give people their time to process, gain, and get to where they want to get to in order for them to be happy. You know what I mean? Opposed to just sitting up there and just oh, you're not man enough. Oh, you're queer. Oh, you're this. Like, we can't keep pointing the fingers at everybody. We have to just sit back, understand that person's journey, and let them do what they need to do in order to, to get and feel comfortable in who they are. So speaking of pointing the fingers, um, what would you say, and remember, we're trying to keep the, the language, the profanity. Right. I know what I would want to say. <laughs> but what would you say to 
especially, you know, we've seen legally in terms of statewide across this country, there has been an attack on the trans community in terms of laws, you know, you have my own thoughts about her or whatever, but you know, you have, uh, uh, what is her name? Caitlin, <laughs> you have Caitlin Jenner, you know, attacking the very community that she's a part of, you know, saying things like, oh, well, you know, little trans girls in sports and we gotta, we gotta protect girls and all this other stuff. Right. Um, you know, we've seen like bathroom bans and just really, really gross, really disrespectful um, and dismissive uh, laws and ordinances that are being you know, put into place um, from a place of these people that we've elected to you know, call the shots. What do you say to those, you know, to, to those representatives? I mean, I feel like nobody understands the journey until they're put in the place to have to understand it. If their kids were of trans nature, then all of a sudden they're with it. They're all because they're in the political light. You understand what I'm saying? But it's like, <laughs> like how can you put, ah oh man, what, what, you can't put restrictions on things. If, if you're going to, sit up there and judge people based off of their identity, how they choose to identify and things like that. It's just like, why are you even in the position that you're in? Mm -hmm. Because what's the purpose? Like you're, you're, you're not making change. You're just here as what? Mm -hmm. What are you here for? <laughs> you, you come in because my thing is, it's crazy because they come in and they're like, oh, I'm with this and I'm going to change this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. And then you turn around and none of that is done. And then all of a sudden is, oh, well, we're going to handle it, but it's going to be handled in this, in, in this form or this way. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it should be gender neutral bathrooms everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel like there should be a separation you know, as far as using the bathroom. If you haven't used the bathroom, just go ahead and use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it shouldn't matter to you who's in the bathroom unless you have a negative mind state. So if, if you're standing outside the bathroom and you're like, oh, I'm going to wait for a trans person to go in there so I can go in there and I'm going to say something. I'm going, you know, like, or, or I'm in the bathroom and I'm, I'm, I'm using the bathroom and you're like, like, what, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, are you insecure about yourself? Did I, did I make your masculinity um, low? Like, what, what's the problem? Like, I never understood that. I never understood why women feel some type of way if there's a trans man in the bathroom, I mean, a trans woman in the bathroom, and why men feel some type of way if there's a trans woman or a trans man. Sometimes people aren't at a point in their, in their transition where they feel comfortable enough to use the other bathroom. You know, so you're going to just fault them because the appearance? Mm -hmm. And one thing I always found kind of ridiculous about, uh, you know, the argument against gender neutral bathrooms was, I was like, so do you have a male bathroom and a female bathroom in your house? Right. Exactly. I grew up with my mama and my daddy in the house and I don't 
ever recall me being to my father, you can't go into that one. <laughs> exactly. You like, just go to the bathroom. Like the purpose <laughs> of youth in the bathroom is to go to the bathroom. Exactly. Why are you so concerned about who's in the bathroom? Mind your business. <laughs> exactly. Like wow. I, I don't understand that. That's why it's like even with people that feel some type of way about coming here and getting their hair cut. Mm -hmm. Oh, you cut a lot of gay. I get that a lot. Oh, you the gay barber. I can be the gay barber. That's not a problem with me. You know what I mean? I'll be the gay barber. Oh, no, I'm just saying that because you cut all the gay people. I do. And I'm cutting you, too. So And the money's still green. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'll be telling them, like, like, bro, it has nothing to do with you. Anybody that's so concerned about who's coming to sit in this chair or about who hair I'm cutting, you're, you're concerned more so about the exposure that might walk through the door of your personal life. You're not worried about who I'm cutting. You're worried about if what you did at 12, 1 o'clock at night yeah. is going to walk through that door. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. It, it has nothing to do with the person. It's, it's all about them mm. and their own insecurities of, of who they are and what they've done. Yep. You have to, you got to be confident in who you are. If you decide to do something with somebody else, you experiment. It's okay to experiment. I don't understand why black men feel like, oh, everything that we do, oh, if I do, if I get my nails done, if I get a manicure, that's gay. Mm -hmm. How is that gay? Because I want to look nice for my girl mm -hmm. or for the next lady. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you get your feet done, that's gay. How if I'm, I work all day, I got calluses and I got all day. So why, why can't get my feet done? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, because you choose not to take care of yourself, uh -huh. you know, then I, I'm supposed to feel less of a man because I choose to keep myself up. That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Listen, it makes no sense. I recently had um, an uncle of mine, you know, he was watching my Instagram stories and I had uh, a video of myself and, uh, you know, I was with a, a couple of my like gay friends. Right. And, you know, I take the pic, I take the video da, 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 and then so he like messages me. And he's like, oh, what's going on? He's like, what's going on with the, uh, you know, da, 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 in the back? And I'm like, right. He's gay. I was like, they all are. And he's like, oh, well, he's like, huh. And he's like doing the little the like, face hand. <laughs> and I was like, do you want me to give him your number or something? Like, why right, are you like, so concerned? Mind your business. Like, and I mean, it's like, fine if you want to. I don't understand. I never understand, <laughs> I never understand it. I never understand it. And I'll just be like, I, I, uh, my thought process on people that are so concerned about somebody else's gender and preference. Mm -hmm. I just, I tell everybody, I don't care who it is. You come sit in my chair. If you feel some type of way about anybody that's in my chair, as part of the LGBTQ, I, LGBTQ, LGBTT, LGBTIQIA. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Tongue twisted. I'm like, if you feel any type of way about it, it's because you are worried about who is coming through this door. Mm -hmm. Why? Did you do something? No, I ain't, I ain't gay. I ain't okay. Then why are you worried? <laughs> right? Like, what are you worried about? Are you hitting 13th Street after 12? Like, what's the problem? I'm not understanding. Like, oh, don't worry about who coming through the door. This is an appointment. You're here for an appointment. So when you walk out this door, somebody else come in. That has nothing to do with you. But people make it their business to just know everybody's business, mm -hmm. to know everything, because they're trying to hide their own secrets they try to keep their own closet clothes mm -hmm. that's all it is that's mm -hmm. all it is you have no other reason to hate on nobody and what they're doing 
unless you're trying to keep your own closet closed. Mm. Yeah, I have to say, Ethan, you know, as a as a queer uh, man, even though our walks are very different, I hear a lot of parallels uh, when it comes to, you know, the toxic masculinity and this, this need to assert themselves because they, they feel right. so threatened and insecure when they encounter something, a man, a black man who is different. And I really commend you for stepping out on faith and, and trusting and be, being yourself. Uh, regardless of what's happening outside of you, because I know for for queer black men, it's a struggle, and I can only imagine the struggle that right. you face as a black uh, trans man. It's crazy out here, man. It's crazy, but I'm I'm learning to just love life, you know, not be so stuck on how other people feel, and just keep myself. I, I just keep my energy protected. That's all. I just keep my energy and Amen. my family protected. Mm-hmm. You know, amongst the community as well, because everybody is toxic everywhere. You know, it's, it's toxic. It's just toxicity in the community, within the regular community, within your households, everywhere. So you just got to keep a humble mind and just not worry about what's going on. Just worry about you, worry about your journey and how you're living your life, respecting people and everything just going to be great for you. You know, even when you go through your struggles, you're going to cry them tears. You're going to hurt a little bit, but just keep pushing. Just just keep pushing. Take all of that negativity that's being said and pushing into something, pushing into working out, pushing into working harder, mm-hmm. pushing into anything just to be better so that you, you're not getting caught up in that depression. Like it's, the depression is hard to get past, but if you channel that energy, that negative energy from others and just put it into something else, I guarantee you, you're going to be successful and great at everything you do because that's what I do. I channel everything negative that comes towards me from my family, from my friends, from anybody, I channel all of that and I put it into something else. I get quiet and then I just excel on them. You know what I mean? And now everybody's just like, hey, I didn't know you do this. I didn't know you did that. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, you didn't respect me a month ago. Now you want me to come and paint your kitchen. And you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, well, what a great two snaps for that. Uh, what Amen. a great way uh, <laughs> to wrap that up. Thank you, Ethan, so much for your bravery, your transparency, your candor, your, you know, just ugh, unadulterated honesty. Like your story and your your voice is, it's, it is and it's going to be an inspiration for so many. And I just want to thank you, you know what I mean? And, and thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. It's, we are, we are definitely honored <laughs> to be able to do so. Um, and speaking of, you know, in, you know, honoring, in honor of Pride Month, uh, you know, our Grill fam, let's lift our trans family in love and positivity and continue to shine as brightly as you are, Ethan, and to all of our trans brothers and sisters. We love you guys. <laughs> yes. We want to remind our listeners to please support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Babashi Transition to Hope. Founded at the height of the HIV AIDS epidemic in 1985, the original acronym stood for Blacks Educating Blacks About Sexual Health Issues. Babashi was the first in the country to focus on communities of color and has since grown to a full service sexual health and social services agency. The organization is committed to their trans neighbors with programs like Trans Necessities, a gender affirming clothing and resources hub at their offices at 1235 Spring Garden Street in Philadelphia. The initiative allows folks of trans experience to obtain clothing, wigs, prosthetic breasts, binders, and other necessities 
while receiving health information, testing, and referrals for primary care, prep, and other resources. Clients also have access to warm referrals for services such as legal name change or gender marker change for IDs, hormone replacement therapy, gender confirmation therapy, as well as referrals to Babashi's navigation services. For more information, visit their website at www.babashi.org. That's www.bebashi.org. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those to podcasts at thegrill.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grill and executive produced by Blue Salusma and co-produced by Taji Senior, Brenda Alexander, and Abdul Kadus.